0: All right, it's 1030. We'll go ahead and get started. Uh, let me, this is Greek life in the gospel. My name's way Rutherford. Uh, if you're happening to be in the wrong place, it won't be awkward. You can still get up and go find your right seminar. You won't hurt any feelings. Um, so if not, let me uh, let me go ahead and pray for us, and then we'll, uh, we'll dive in. All right, let's pray. Heavenly Father, we are thankful to you for for every good gift. Uh, We thank you for being here at Summer Conference, for time to spend time in your Word, to hear from you about what you would have to to say to us. Father, uh, we pray that you would would be here with us by your Holy Spirit uh, in our discussions and when we read your Word. Father, in everything that we do, we need you to be present. Uh, especially as we read your word. Father, would you illuminate it to us? Would you bring wisdom to our uh, time together? Father, give us give us wisdom that we don't have. You say that uh, we don't have wisdom because we don't ask, and so we ask. Be with us in spite of my sin, in spite of all of our sins. Uh, show us something of yourself, your grace and your mercy in Jesus. We pray in his name. All right, so welcome, uh, my name is Wayne Rutherford. I'm the RUF campus minister at Baylor. Uh, campus minister at Baylor. Sit there. Yeah, there you go. Um, I just finished my second year at Baylor. I'm in my ninth year with RUF. I was at the University of Louisville for seven years before that. And so we moved in 2014 to Waco and have been loving that. Uh, let's see, I am married, my wife Amy, uh, our anniversary is on the eighteenth. So, but I but I chose to be with you. About celebrate it with you. Uh, Fourteen years. We've got three kids. We've got Lucy is three. Davis is five and a half. And Miles is almost eight. So that's our that's our family. It's a lot of fun. It's crazy. Uh, all right, I want to know who you are, real quick. Uh, if you'll tell me. All right, who? Let's see, who's an intern? Mark a few interns. I'm assuming the rest of your students. Uh, where are you from? If, if we can just weave up and down the house, just real quick, and just say your school name, just real quick Virginia Tech. Virginia Tech. K State. K State. University of Houston. Houston. Absurd. Yeah, right. Okay. Mississippi Ms. Pizet. Samford. University of Arkansas, okay, all right, good, thank you, all right, and so who who is in a Greek organization right now currently, okay, and others, so who's not, there there are, okay, good, good, good deal, all right, well, here's what we're going to do, uh, over the next couple days, we're going to talk about how the gospel, how Christianity, how a biblical wisdom impacts how the Christian should think about being involved in Greek life. Um, and look, here's one of the main things that you need to hear me say about this seminar. Uh, most folks agree that that Greek life involvement is a wisdom issue. In other words, that there's not Scripture that we turn to to say, to give the, you know, thus saith the Lord on whether you should, should or should not be in a fraternity or sorority. Um, whether, uh, and, and how to do that, right? Um, some people would disagree with that, but basically we're going to say that this is in the, it's in the realm of a wisdom issue. Should we do it? How should we do it? So it's a wisdom issue, um, and we need to keep that in mind um, because it's not clear cut. And so really what we're we're trying to do is we're trying to think about how we think about these issues, right? Uh, If you've been around RUF, you might have heard the term, uh, or other people use it, meta-thinking, thinking thinking above, thinking about how we think. So that's what we want to do. And so I'm going to go ahead and give you the conclusion to the seminar now, and we'll come back around and say it again tomorrow. But I don't want you to be thoroughly dissatisfied. Which is why I'm going to go ahead and give it to you now and kind of prepare you for what, uh, if you're waiting for the big payoff. Um, the conclusion really is going to be something along the lines of, look, some of you probably need to deactivate from your fraternity or sorority. And some of you probably need to run for office or be more involved. Some of you, um, Some of you need to go through rush maybe. And some of you might not. Some of you need to be involved in this way, and some of you need to be involved in a totally different way. Okay? So again, I want you to see what we're doing. We're not driving toward the answer. We're thinking about how we think about these things. Does that makes sense? Good. It's a wisdom issue. Sorry, so how are we going to do it? A couple of thoughts. Um... Let me give you three sort of, I guess, pitfalls that we're going to try to avoid as to how we think and talk about this. The first, the first is over emotional involvement. Okay, we got to be careful about, our, um, about being overly emotionally involved. Look, some of you probably love your sorority so much it hurts, and that's okay. Some of you are, very well might be so disillusioned and, and angry with it. That you can't wait to get out. Some of you might be here because you can't wait to be in one. Some of you might be here just because you're you're wanting to hear me decry the evils of the you know Greek system. Um, and so what I want to try, what I want to beg you to do is to sort of put that down for a few minutes, okay? Um, let's try to let's try to disengage our emotions a little bit. Uh, so we can try to hear what we're saying here. Uh, the second thing we've got to keep in mind, uh, I've called it localizing. Uh, you, you've got to be aware, we all have to be aware, that the Greek system is going to look its going look different at every single campus. And it might look radically different between two campuses. So in other words, we're all coming at this from a certain perspective that's different from everyone else's. Uh, I went to Ole Miss. I was involved with, uh, did fraternity life for my first two years, and then I actually dropped out of, of fraternity life, stayed in college. But, uh, so I'm coming at it from, you know, that, that's been my experience uh, from Ole Miss. The Ole Miss Greek scene, and, and you know, I guess subsequently uh, the University of Louisville, where I worked for a while, and now Baylor, ha- have informed a little bit how I think about it. Um, but that's going to be radically different from in a, whatever school uh, you're on. And so we're going to have to try to keep that in mind, that it doesn't look the same everywhere. Uh, and, the, and the last one is, is really what I said earlier. We're going to try to avoid absolutizing, right? Saying, um, yeah, the, uh, a hard and fast, clear-cut, this is right, this is wrong. This is how it should look, this is how it should not look. Um, I mean, certainly we can come to some conclusions biblically about how this should look and how it should not look, but I think you get the idea. Um, all right, feel free, especially we got a smaller group. Feel free to raise your hand and ask a question, um, especially if it's a clarifying question, like didn't hear what you just said or something like that. Um, and let me encourage you: if you can hold your other, you know, more substantive questions, I want to leave at least half the time tomorrow to to do questions and, and, and hopefully answers. Um, at least discuss some good questions. So what I'd love for you to do is, as we're talking, uh, will you write down your questions and then give them to me at the end uh, so, so I can kind of have some idea of what we want to talk about tomorrow. I've also, if you just want to text me your question, I'll put my number at the top of the sheet there uh, so you can do that as well. So keep that in mind. All right, so this would be a good time for me to say thank you to some former campus ministers like Tom Cannon and Marshall Brown for their um, notes and thoughts on uh, on some of the things we're going to talk about. All right, so let's go ahead and sort of dig into what you have on your outline there with all the introduction out of the way. Definitions. All right, so free response. All right, your, your turn. How would you define what is a fraternity? And so, just for the record, for the rest of the, our time together, when I say, if I just say fraternity or sorority, I mean both, right? So, what is a fraternity or sorority? How would you define it? They were recording this, so it's just kind of like awkward. Well, I shouldn't have said that. that was they're not recording this, so say whatever you want. Well, how would you define it? Come on. It's not that hard. Group of people? Similarly like minded Okay. Similarly like-minded. What else? All right, so I looked it up. New Oxford American Dictionary says a group of people sharing a common profession or interest, particularly a male society in fraternity, uh, society in a university or college. Uh, another one says a social organization of male students at a college or university, usually identified by Greek letters. Um, another source, a social organization for male students with specific objectives, rules, and regulations. Okay, fair enough. Um, and look, all right, so I think it's important as we talk about the definition to say that uh, fraternities and sororities are voluntary organizations, right? They're not required uh, to participate in. It's not like uh, it's not like paying taxes, you know, something you just have to do. Um, they're not necessary. It's not like having a job or something like that. Um, they're, they're voluntary organizations. All right, what is, now you have to participate on this one. What's the purpose of a fraternity or sorority, why does it why does it exist? Why do they exist? Why would you join one? The social benefits. Okay, it is yes, social benefits. And let me implore you, let's be honest. Why do people why do people really join them? Social benefits. What else? All right, let's pray. Without connections, I can put I guess. Okay. Yeah, good. That's right, it's a physical board. Alright, we got social benefits. Any subside to that? Uh, networking? I think community. Okay, community. Forming close relationships with people. Say that again forming close relationships with your people. All right, um, yeah, like, like a good small group of friends. What else? And, and I know these are honest answers, but be honest. A License, uh, whatever you want. Okay. They, like in particular, maybe like to drink if you're underage or Okay. Um yeah. I think that's how we spell that. Uh yeah. You get a free pass. What else? Status. Alright, good. Status. Very good. What else? Just be like something to do. Yeah, and what do we call those things that we gotta do? Parties! Awesome! (laughs) Took us five minutes. Fraternity discussion for somebody to say party. Okay. What else? (laughs) It's okay, like you can actually say what people really think. Are people join them for parties? What else? (laughs) T shirts. Thank you for saying it. (laughs) (laughs) T shirts. (laughs) What else? Anything else? I wrote down, let's see, I wrote down fun, parties, friends, sports, right? Intramurals, maybe, Um, community status, uh, witness, potentially, Uh, networking, t-shirts, um, so, what was the other one I put down? Oh, yeah. Right? Like, someone might join a fraternity charity, they want to witness the people. Anything else? You think of any others? There's a service aspect. Very good. Service? Sense of belonging. Okay. Anything else? Hey. Yeah, I think, I think that's pretty representative. All right, good work. Um, all right, so this is our this is our list that we generated of what we why we would join one, why people would join one, kind of what the what the real purpose is. All right, I want you to listen to uh, I've got two or three uh, mission statements, purpose statements from uh, actual fraternities and sororities that I've gotten from their respective websites. All right, so uh, if you're Sigma Nu, Sigma Nu's mission statement is to develop ethical leaders inspired by the principles of love, honor, and truth, to foster to foster the personal growth of each man's mind, heart, and character, to perpetuate lifelong friendships and commitment to the fraternity. Okay. All right, the Phi Delts, Phi Delts Theta. We got any Sigma Nus in here? Any snakes? All right. Any fight else? Alright, three principal objectives. The cultivation of friendship among its members. The acquirement individually of a high degree of mental culture. And the attainment personally of a high standard of morality. Alright, try Any try Delta's? No. They've got a lot of all caps in their purpose statement. So they seem to be angry people. So the purpose of Delta Delta... I want you to make it loud. Uh, shall be to establish a perpetual bond of friendship among its members, to develop a stronger and more womanly character, to broaden the moral and intellectual life, and to assist its members in every possible way. It shall also be the purpose of Delta 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 to promote and develop mutually beneficial relationships between the fraternity and the colleges and they're calling themselves the fraternity, the fraternity and the colleges and universities where the fraternity has established chapters. To develop qualities of unselfish leadership among its members and to encourage them to assume with integrity and devotion to moral and democratic principles the highest responsibilities of college women. All right, so you can see that, right, the difference between what we've come up with and what I think is representative, right, of why, uh, of sort of the on the ground, in the trenches version of what the purpose of fraternities and sororities are. It's very different from uh, the way they uh, were intended to be with their their original purpose uh, statements, mission statements. Um, a lot of that has to do with, and we're not going to get into it, partly because, largely because I don't completely understand it myself. But a big shift in sort of American culture in the very early 1900s to having this like adolescent youth culture, where we sort of cultivate that right as this unique thing in and of itself. Um, you know, college life becomes this this time where you, you know, where you get to sort of be an adolescent and develop in that way. Um, but they've changed, and now they've become you know virtually, almost exclusively, in some sense, social in nature, right? Why would you just real quick? Here's what you would say. Why would you not join one potentially, and not you just in general? Some reasons that you may go the opposite way, not join one. Negative stereotypes. Okay, good. Negative stereotypes. What else? You don't want to have to. You don't have to be carefree to follow the Okay, good. Money. 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 Good. Time. Time commitment. What else? Reputation. Alright, what do you mean by that? I mean, the negative bad rep. A lot of times. Okay, right? They get a bad reputation? You don't want to bring that on yourself. Anything else? You know, a lot of people say it's just not for them. Okay. All right, good. Anything else? All right. All right, well, in a sense, we'll let that lead us into uh, sort of the meat of our discussion, uh, which is point two there on your outline. Potential danger areas. So we're going to spend the rest of our time today. I think that we will get through it. If not, we'll finish it up tomorrow. Um, we're going to talk about. I, I've I've identified four potential danger areas. That's what I called it. Um, four areas or aspects in which um, I think potential involvement in Greek life uh, involvement. In Four particular areas where we could um, fall into some trouble, right, with our involvement with Greek life. All right, now here, look, this is really important. A couple of more disclaimers. Number one, these are potential dangers, right? So, in other words, they're not inherent dangers to the Greek system, okay? See the difference? They're just potential dangers. So, I'm not saying, like, here's what's wrong with the Greek system, and so get out. These are potential dangers. And as a friend of mine very wisely pointed out, in a sense there are also potential dangers, just number one in your own life and in college. But we're gonna you know apply them particularly to the to the Greek life. Um, all right, and the second thing I want you to hear me say is that we're gonna we're gonna spend a lot of time sort of talking about the negative, these potential dangers and a lot less time talking about the potential opportunities, though we are going to talk about them. And the reason, there's a couple reasons, but at least one is because I don't think that we think about the potential dangers as much. And so we're going to focus on that. But the reason I'm telling you this is because I don't want you to think that I'm presenting a case. If you sort of take in this two-day seminar as me presenting a case, right, right, Then what you're gonna feel is like he gave lots of evidence uh, on the contrary, negative evidence, and then a little bit of positive. And so it's gonna feel really weighted towards the negative. And I want you to hear me say, I really want you to hear this. That's not what I'm trying to do. Okay? I'm just I'm focusing on these because I think we tend to not talk about these or think about these as much. Okay? Does that make sense? Are you with me? So you can't leave here. Don't think it would be fair for you to leave here and say he's just against fraternity and sororities. He just he just hates Greek life. That's that's not true. Okay. So, with that being said, uh, let's go ahead and dive in. Four potential danger areas uh, for our involvement in Greek life. (laughs) The first is our identity, identity, and by identity, I mean who we who we really fundamentally are as a person. Uh, who you see yourself to be? How you define yourself? And now that might sound uh, this might sound strange to you, but have you ever have you ever spent any time thinking about who you are as a person? It might be weird, but if you haven't, you know I think you should. Who are you? Um, I can remember a pretty pivotal point in college for me was walking with one of my best friends into the uh, into our campus minister's office just, you know, we're hanging around campus and let's go by and see what he's doing and my friend asked him you know, we're just sitting there kind of shooting the breeze and he says do you, do you ever have those days where you wake up and you, you open your closet you know, it's time to get dressed for the day and you look in your closet and you think alright, who do I want to be in today? Like what? Which guy am I going to be? And I can remember my campus minister's eyes like lighting up. You know, like this is this is one of those moments, right? And and him saying like, "Oh yeah, absolutely, right." Question of identity, who you are, right? Which guy am I going to be? How am I going to present myself to the world? How do I see myself? How do I understand myself? Um, Yeah, how do you? What's your definition? What defines you? Um, and so really the question is not if you're going to define yourself in a certain way, but how, right? And the way I want to get at this, get at the issue of our identity in regard to Greek life, is I want you to honestly ask yourself this question. Why, do you, why would you want to be involved? Why do you want to be in a fraternity or sorority? And I don't mean this list, right? Like, get, I want you to get a step behind this list. Like, yeah, I know, I know you want friends, and, you know, we all do. We all want friends, we all want fun times and things like that. But why? Right? Play the, play the role of the little kid. You know, like, but why? Well, because, you know, well, but why? What is it about those things? Why do you want, why do you really want to be in? What is it about it? What is it about the party or the friends? Uh, C.S. Lewis has an essay that you might be familiar with. Uh, it was originally a lecture called "The Inner Ring," uh, and basically, it was this—it was this warning to university students to avoid what he called uh, the, the inner ring, the deadly desire to be in the inner ring. And he basically said, "We're going to read a, a couple of, of selections from it." He basically says, "Look." We all want to be on the inside of something. And so we there, there are always these rings to life, right? We want to be on the inside of uh, you know this this group. And then we then we've arrived. But as soon as you get on the inside of that group, you realize that inside that group there's another little ring. And those are the really those are the people that have really got it together, figured it out, and you want to be in that ring. And then even when you get in that ring, right, and it goes on forever. The inner ring. All right, so I want you to um, follow along with me uh, as we read this, this paragraph. C.S. Lewis says, And the prophecy I make is this. To nine out of ten of you, the choice which could lead to scoundrelism will come, when it does come, in no very dramatic colors. Obviously bad men, obviously threatening or bribing, will almost certainly not appear. Over a drink or a cup of coffee, disguised as triviality and sandwiched between two jokes, from the lips of a man or woman whom you have recently been getting to know rather better and whom you hope to know better still, just at the moment when you are most anxious, not to appear crude or naive or a prig, the hint will come. It will be the hint of something which the public, the ignorant romantic public, would never understand. Something which even the outsiders in your own profession are apt to make a fuss about. But something, says your new friend, which we. And at the word we, you try not to blush for mere pleasure. Something we always do. And you will be drawn in, if you are drawn in, not by desire for gain or ease, but simply because at that moment, when the cup was so near your lips, you cannot bear to be thrust back again into the cold outer world. It would be so terrible to see the other man's face, that genial, confi- confidential, delightfully sophisticated face, turn suddenly cold and contemptuous, to know that you have been tried for the inner ring and rejected. And then, if you are drawn in, next week it will be something a little further from the rules, and next year something further still, but all in the jolliest, friendliest spirit. It may end in a crash, a scandal, a penal servitude, it may end in millions a peerage and giving the prizes in your old school. But you will be a scoundrel. All right, look, that's, that's about as good as it gets, right? Um, and I, I, I would dare to say that you can identify with that feeling on some level, right? The, the desire to, to want to be in, to want to wanna get in, and uh, because we all, we all want to be okay. Right? We all want to have find ourselves find some sort of worth. We all want to know we matter. And so we're going to find it somewhere. And we see these rings in life and we want to get in. And really we want to get in so that it can define us. Right? We want to be in and say, okay, this is who I am. And you know, if you think about it. The same things that work in the Greek system. And in fact, it almost literally just is the Greek system, right? It's like this inner ring. You're, you're either in or you're out. Um, and it's easy, it's easy to be desperate to know that you've made the cut, right? That you are somebody. And so you can see how it, how it can so easily become your identity. How you define yourself, kind of the sum total of who you are. All right, so why is that such a danger? And look, here, here it is. The, the reason that's such a danger is because we were built to, the, to be defined by something else. Uh, for the Christian, your identity is found in, right, it's bound up in in something that's, that's far more secure than, than chasing that inner ring. It's far more secure than the whims of the Greek system. And you can do it with anything, right? Uh, you can find your identity wrapped up in absolutely anything, in money, in uh, boyfriend or girlfriend, uh, sports, your personality, right, being the funny guy, whatever, you can go on and on. But we're designed basically to have our identity be defined, be defined by God, that we are who he says we are, uh, Right, for the Christian, the gospel should be what defines us. It's the good news. The good news that, that God has taken our sin, and he credited, he credited that to Jesus on the cross. Right, this is the whole concept that we talk about of justification. And then at the same time, he took Jesus' righteousness, and he credited, credited that to you. So that in your status with God, who you are before God is perfectly righteous. That You have the very righteousness of Jesus. Uh, you can see, I think it's on your handout, 2 Corinthians 5.21. It's talking about God and Jesus. It's the He and the Him. For our sake He, God, made Him Jesus. For our sake He made Him to be sin who knew no sin, so that in Him we might become the righteousness of God. And so what I want you to see is that Right? That is the ultimate inner ring. That's the way in which we should ultimately define ourselves because it's the only thing that's going to, it's the only thing that can bear, bear the weight of our, of our identity. Everything else in life is going to move. Right? Certainly, your involvement with Greek life, your fraternity or sorority, um, how well received you are in it, how impactful you are in it, everything about it, it's going to go up and down. Mission is going to end. But if you define yourself, if you define yourself um, by the gospel, right, the, the bedrock truth that who I am is perfect, that I am a son or daughter of God Himself, right, then you have an identity that's, that's solid. Um, and if if that's the case, then you're able to look at these inner ring jumpings, right? And not have to have them. That makes sense. Because if you know who you are, then you can then you can look at, at these rings of people and, and you can move in and out of them. Because it it, it doesn't crush you if you're not in. It doesn't, it doesn't make you if you get in. It. But it's a huge potential pitfall to find our identity wrapped up in it. Um a couple of diagnostic questions. Um, if you haven't done rush, could you not do rush, or whatever you call it, recruitment, you know, fill in the blank. Could you, could you not do that and be okay? Or does that just sound like death? Um, what if you do rush and you don't get what you want? You don't get the you know, fraternity sorority that you're wanting. How does that sound to you? Does that sound like, would you be devastated or would you be okay? And then the flip side of that, if you do rush or did rush, and you get what you want, do you feel like you've arrived? Um, Certainly you see the potential danger in that. right? And that's how, yeah, it it can so easily become sort of the sum total of our identity, and really it's, it's reflected in how we talk. Right, we say things like, "Do you know, do you know Brandon?" I don't know Brandon. Who is he? He's a Sigma guy. That, that's, that's who he is. And look, it doesn't mean, right? Of course, I'm it doesn't mean it's sinful to say that, right? In a lot of ways, it's very helpful to identify people in ways like that. But you, you get how easily it becomes, um, it becomes part of, right? It becomes your identity. Um, and to say you are a Beta. Or you are not uh, whatever. If I dealt, or you're you are this, or you're not that, um, can be a huge uh, problem. Um, so yeah, I think I think that's one of the biggest potential areas of danger that that we face as you as you head into the head into Greek life, or already involved with Greek life. You've got to you've got to think about biblical. Got to think about who you are in Christ and what defines you, and is it this organization or not? Um, and you have just you know, of course, that's sort of in an internal sense. Then there's also the external sense of your uh, of your identity, right? That you are going to be identified with these folks, and uh, for for good or ill, right? Uh, my freshman year, I can let's see, we had just gone through rush or we're just going through rush, and. Was in the, like, you know, living big dorm, common bathroom, and this guy was on my floor that I didn't know. He asked me, he's like, Are you going through rush? I said, Yeah. And he said, Yeah, me too. He said, Man, did you see what those bleeping, you know, fraternity, uh, one particular fraternity guys were doing? And this was the one that I was pledging. And I had no idea what it was. I said, uh, No, didn't. And he was just furious. He said they were funneling all the people that they, the people they wanted into this one room, and then the people that they knew that, basically everyone else, they would funnel in this other room, and basically nobody would go talk to them. It's like, basically it was over from the start, and so I I had no idea, and and look, that's not because because I'm in the cool room, I was in that room because I had friends, like, look, I didn't know anything from anything. And so I'm standing there terrified that he's about to ask me, so, you know, w- would you pledge? I'm like, well, actually. Right? Because to him, automatically, I become that guy. Right? So even in an external sense, it's something to think about. All right, we need to keep moving um, quickly. All right, uh, secondly, the second potential danger area, and it's, uh, yeah, B, exclusivism. Uh, I have exclusivism slash elitism. Um, and look, this is probably the biggest, maybe the biggest knock against the Greek system, right? Um, and, and some some would argue that it's inherently wrong because of this. Um, I, I don't know that that's fair. But the fact that it is, it's inherently exclusive in its nature. Um, I don't know, I can't get to the point of saying that it's, it's inherently wrong because of that, because there are other... Right, there are other organizations and institutions and entities that that are exclusive by nature that's not inherently wrong like a, a business has to be exclusively uh, it has to be exclusive in a sense right you have to hire people with certain qualifications um, because your your mission statement is to make a profit um, yeah sports teams right you There there are minimum requirements to be met. Uh, Some people don't make the team. Um, But, obviously, the Greek system gets to be somewhat somewhat gray because it's it's along the lines of much more um, harder to define things, right? It's along along social lines. And it, it typically devolves down into being, is somebody cool or not? Or are they like us or not? Or in my fraternity, there were two categories of people. There were sharp guys and effing dorks. That's pretty much how my fraternity looked at the world. You're either a sharp guy or just an effing dork. That's bad, by the way. Um, all right, so look, I think it, for the Christian, even if we're not going to get to the place, which I don't think is fair, to say that it's inherently wrong, it has to at least be troubling to me. I think that's fair to say. It has to at least be troubling to us because that mentality, that flavor, is at least inherently opposed to the gospel. All right? That's it's opposite of of the kingdom, in a sense. Uh, a good a good friend of mine, a former campus minister, one time said said that as a Christian, you need to be very careful about joining an organization that's more exclusive kingdom of God. And there's a lot of wisdom in that. Now, look, it's something to be wrestled with, but you need to be very careful as a Christian joining an organization that's more exclusive than the kingdom of God. Um, because it, yeah, it's, it's the heartbeat of Christianity. Um, Alright, listen to 1 Corinthians 1, 26-31. So this is Paul, Paul's talking to the uh, Corinthian church and this is a group of people that has really begun to struggle with, uh, with basically this idea, right? Groups of people are breaking out that think they're better than the other ones. And so they're all kind of factioning off. And so to these folks, Paul says, For consider your calling, brothers. Not many of you were wise according to worldly standards. Not many were powerful. Not many were of noble birth. But God chose what is foolish in the world to shame the wise. God chose what is weak in the world to shame the strong. God chose what is low and despised in the world, even the things, even things that are not, to bring to nothing the things that are, so that no human being might boast in the presence of God. He is the source of your life in Christ Jesus, whom God made our wisdom and our righteousness and sanctification and redemption. Therefore it is written, let the one who boasts boast in the Lord. Right, Christianity, I mean, you hear what Paul's saying. Um, don't, don't forget who you are or who you were when you came into this, right? God, basically God, God chose the folks on the, on the bottom in things. He chose the weak, the foolish, the unwise, um, right? Right, think about, yeah, God reached out to his enemies. He reached out to, um, he reached out to the poor. I mean, just think about who Jesus dealt with. Right, who who he who he welcomed and and who who got him, it was the poor, uh, it was the it was the sick, the lame, um, it was the outsider, uh, the the moral outsider. Right, he hung out with uh, prostitutes, um, people that the have nots. Right, Uh, he washed the feet of his disciples, even the the one the the one that was going to betray him, and of course all of them were going to leave him. yeah, God, God reached out to the not cruel people. So it's almost like God did rush backwards, if you think about it. And if we're going to say it like that, maybe it's just start to dawn on us, maybe, maybe, okay, this is a point of conversation, maybe we do rush backwards? Or at least it's something to think about, how do we do rush? And not so much ourselves going through it, but right, recruiting other people. It at least begs the question, how do you choose? Why would you keep somebody out? All right, so why would someone, you know, uh, why would we keep someone out of a fraternity or sorority? Again, it's not, you're not going to answer necessarily for yourself what you believe, but why would someone, why would we keep people out? Not high enough grades. Not high enough grades. Not the same values as a sorority. Socially uh, awkward. Okay, not the same values, socially awkward, good. What else? Ugly. Yeah. They're ugly. What else? Yeah. Alright. We'll keep moving. You get the idea. Um, what yeah, what criteria do you use? And then you have to think even do you stand up to it? Uh, let's see, Sigma Chi's, uh, that, was, that was me. Our, uh, what do we call it, the Jordan Standard. I'm sure I had to memorize this at some point. All right, so the, the standard, a man of good character, a student of fair ability, which I always the, the fair ability, um, with ambitious purposes, a congenial disposition, possessed of good morals, having a high sense of honor, and a deep sense of personal responsibility. So if yours is something along those lines, which, you know, it probably is, right? How well do you stand up to it? Um, Yeah, how should we vote during rush? Look at James. Think it's on your sheet. James 2, 1 through 4. It says, My brothers, show no partiality as you hold the faith in our Lord Jesus Christ, the Lord of glory. For if a man wearing a gold ring and fine clothing comes into your assembly and a poor man in shabby clothing also comes in, and if you pay attention to the one who wears the fine clothing... And say, you sit here in this good in a good place. While you say to the poor man, you stand over there, or sit down at my feet. Have you not then made distinctions among yourselves and become judges with evil thoughts? Um, now look. Granted, that's talking about the church, but but that's got to at least inform that flavor. If you're a believer, that flavor has to at least waft over. At least waft over to how we think about how we do all of life. So it needs to, yeah. So what does it look like? And maybe we, we can talk about that more when we do questions. Um, but yeah, what is it? What kind of folks do we let in, and, and why do we keep people out? Uh, later in the inner ring, Lewis says this: uh, this "Is this on your sheets on the back?" And by the way, this is the handout for tomorrow, also. So please hang on to it. Uh, Listen to Lewis again. And you will always find them hard to enter, the inner ring. for a reason you very well know. You yourself, once you are in, want to make it hard for the next entrant, just as those who who are already in made it hard for you. Naturally, in any wholesome group of people which holds together for a good purpose, the exclusions are, in a sense, accidental. Three or four people who are together for the sake of some piece of work exclude others because their work is only for so many or because the others can't, in fact, do it. Your little musical group limits its numbers because the rooms they meet in are only so big. But your genuine inner ring exists for exclusion. There'd be no fun if there were no outsiders. The invisible line would have no meaning unless most people were on the wrong side of it. Exclusion is no accident. It is the essence. Right, so I mean you have to see that this is a huge potential danger of the Greek system of Christian involvement in the Greek system. This idea of of being elite, elitism and exclusivism, right? Like, like we said earlier, um, what, you very well hear people say things like, um, "Do you know, you, know, do, you know, do you know, Sarah? She's a DG, but, but she's cool. I swear, right?" And what, like, what, what are we communicating? DGs typically, just as a rule, are below us, but Sarah's okay. Um, Things like that, right? Yeah, it's a huge potential danger. Um, let's do... Oh, uh, goodness. What do we got? Community. Let's do uh, let's do community. What time is... 11.30. Um, let's dive in. We'll go for just a few more minutes and then... Because doesn't lunch start at 11.30? Mm-hmm. Nobody wants to be late for lunch, right? Should we stop now? <laughs> Let's do that. Okay? <laughs> Let's stop for now and uh, so we can get to lunch at a good hour. And we will finish up with that and talk about some opportunities. To, please, if you have questions, write them down, rip them off, hand them to me right now, um, text them to me. So, yeah, we can have some idea where we want to go in our discussion tomorrow. Sound good? Yeah, Good game.